0: The truth is that everybody writes. Did you write an email today? Did you write a text? Did you write podcast show notes? If so, you're a writer. Everybody's a writer.
1: All right, well, hey friends. Welcome back to the Christian Podcaster. I'm your host, Eric Nevins. As always, I'm the founder of Christian Podcasters Association where we bring Christian podcasters together. We help you serve uh, the kingdom of God in your gifts, find your community, invest in yourself, serve the kingdom, grow that audience for uh, the, so you can find the people that you're called to serve. That's what we do. So I'm excited to have this conversation. Uh, FYI, if you're not already in the uh, Facebook group, uh, Christian Podcasters Association, or you're not on the mailing list, go to christianpodcastersassociation.com. You sign up there, I'll give you all the links to everything that we do there as well. Okay, so we have a guest here and I'm excited to speak with him. We connected not too long ago, but I just love what he's doing and that was really relevant to what uh, what we do here in CPA. So uh, our guest, he's the founder of Inkwell Ghostwriting, which helps leaders grow their businesses through books and other content. He's also the author and co-author of numerous books, including a couple uh, here called 18 words to live by a father's wisdom, which sounds really interesting. And then what matters most uh, or father's wisdom on what matters most. Sorry. And the co-author of the faith of Elvis, which we talked about uh, when we we chatted um, Mm -hmm. a story only a brother can tell with Billy Stanley. That sounds, I got to imagine that was kind of a, Fascinating uh, trip to go to go and that, write that book. It was in uh, addition writing books for himself and for other clients. Uh, our guest is he loves to help other writers. He's the host of the Daily Writer Podcast and the founder of the Daily Writer Club, which is a membership community that helps writers build a business with their skills. Hey, writing is a business, that's one of the best pieces of advice you can get. Podcasting is too, my friends. Our guest is Kent Sanders. Kent, uh, welcome to the Christian Podcaster. I'm glad you're here.
0: Thank you. I appreciate the invite, Eric. I love podcasters. I love podcasting. I've been doing it a long time. Yeah. Not always successfully. Uh, at <laughs> times, I've had a success a time or two, maybe.
1: Well, you told Yeah. How long have you been podcasting? Because I think it's longer than me.
0: Uh, I started in 2013, and I did a yeah. lot of things wrong for a long time. And I'm hopefully doing more things right than I'm doing wrong these days.
1: Well, it's a process, isn't it? Just probably it just like process. writing. <laughs>
0: yeah. It, it's a process.
1: Yep. You, you learn, um, I, for some reason, this quote comes back to me a lot. I'm a big Billy Joel fan and mm-hmm. he's got a line in the entertainer. The things I did not know at first I learned by doing twice. You Remember that? Like, yeah. I'm like that's so right. That's that's or dozens of times
0: me. in my case before you learned something
1: business, uh, writing, podcasting, whatever. That's all how it goes. So, uh, I love it. Tell us, so I get kind of gave us big, broad kind of strokes of who you are and where you are right now. Tell us a little more about your work and then how you help writers.
0: Sure. Well, I do a range of things related to books and writing, and I do things all the way from higher price things. all from higher price things all the way down to free. So I'll start with free. So I do a daily podcast, which I know sounds insane to some people, but it is in fact a daily show. i put out an episode every single day. It's called The Daily Writer. And that show is all about um, refining and building the habits for writing success. We talk a lot about business and creativity and writing habits and your writing voice and all kinds of things related to just being a successful writer. So I do that. I also have a daily email that I send out that's basically the same material. I have some freebies on my website, dailywriterlife.com for writers. And then kind of going up the chain, I also run, as you mentioned, Eric, a membership group called the Daily Writer Club. That is for writers who are seeking to build a business around their writing. Many of us in the group are doing client work. Uh, All of us are doing some kind of content writing. Most of us are publishing books. We're also doing podcasting and courses and other kinds of things as well. And then I also do more on the client side of things. I do uh, book developmental editing for some clients. And the main thing that I do really as far as the client side goes is ghostwriting. which means people come to me with an idea for a book they want to write where they've written part of it and they just need some help finishing it or fleshing out the idea. Or sometimes they come to me with an idea and they just say, can you write this book for me? And I'm like, yeah. So ghostwriting is really the bulk of where I spend my time, but I really love helping writers and serving writers, which is why I do my membership group on my podcast and I do my own content and books as well. So that's basically me in a nutshell.
1: Yeah, I love all that. Okay, so as podcasters, I got to actually ask you this question before we get into more about writing, because there's a lot of things there that I think are interesting as well. But doing a daily show, some Mm -hmm. of us look at that and go, that seems like an awful lot. How do you, what's your process for that? And then how do you get, like, how do do you batch, do you stay ahead or how does that work for you?
0: I do, I do batch. So typically my weekly schedule is sometime on Thursday, I write the next week's content. Sometimes I do it on Friday mornings, but I have a podcast producer. So if I don't get the stuff mm. to her by Friday at noon, I feel really, really guilty. There have been a couple times I've gotten to her later than that. And she's been very patient with me. Those are the weeks when I like send a Starbucks gift card through the mail <laughs> or something. I'm like, yes. I'm so sorry, but I, I try yeah, really she hard.
1: Doesn't, she doesn't charge you extra. I know some no, she editors will charge you extra. Okay. She, she's good. very
0: patient. So she's,
1: she's okay. You found a good one. I, I send a lot of no, gift no, cards. Not that, not that those who charge, <laughs> I have friends who do that. So I'm not. <laughs> so yeah, I that, 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 Yeah. Okay, so you batch and then you have somebody do the editing for you and get that up.
0: Yeah, so essentially what it consists of my show is I write out the scripts for each episode. Basically, my show is six days a week. I do little short episodes that are one to two minutes long. So if you do that in word count, so I live and die by word counts as a writer. That's around two to 300 words an episode, but I tend to do those in series. So like recently, I've done a series on... Writing habits. I did a series called "The Writer's Pathway," where I break down how do you, what are the elements of a writing business. Um, did a series called uh, "Clear the Clutter," which I just talk about cleaning up your workspace and cleaning up your digital life. So I tend to do it in series, and of course, this is a Christian podcaster deal that we're doing, and a lot of your audience, Eric, will recognize the value of doing things in series. Pastors and teachers do it all the time in the church world. And there's a lot of value in doing that as a podcaster, especially when you do a daily show. Mm-hmm. So it's really yeah. not as difficult as a lot of people think it is.
1: Right, right. And even if you didn't have a producer, you could do, you could probably mm-hmm. do it yourself if you really wanted I to could. and just put your I did it. it for yeah.
0: my, I did it by myself for many, many years, up until just a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's good. Okay, so... I want to know, I know you didn't start out as a writer or maybe you've always been a writing. So I want to know kind of how has writing, but that wasn't your profession. Let me put it that way, right? Correct. So you you came to this, uh, you know, sometime after you had already had a career, right? Mm -hmm. So So, tell us about kind of how writing has influenced your life and then that story of how you came into this business.
0: So I used to be a pastor. Actually, I was a, a music pastor for probably seven or eight years in my 20s. I Up went to college to actually be a preacher. Name. I didn't know there were other types of ministry work that you could do. I just assumed, well, if I'm if I'm feeling a call to do church ministry, that it should be preaching. That's all that I really knew. So that's what I went to school to do. But then I got really involved in music. I'd always been kind of a music nerd in high school, you know, band, choir, theater, that kind of stuff. And uh, once I got to college, I discovered, oh, there's actually people who do this for a job in the church world. So that's what I did after college. I was a worship pastor for a long time. And then when I was 29, I had the opportunity to teach at the same school where I went in North St. Louis. So I lived just outside of St. Louis, went back to the same school where I attended and um, was in charge of our music program there for about 10 years. And after that, after I did that, I, st- I switched away from that and transitioned into teaching more communications and arts and film and storytelling and more of those kinds of courses, which I really loved. But at the same time, what, as I was doing that, I saw where the higher education industry was going, which was not a good place, <laughs> meaning a lot of schools were closing. A lot of my friends lost their jobs in other schools. And so I needed to develop a plan B. So I started freelance writing on the side. I got connected with a friend of mine who was a podcast producer. And he asked me if I would do show notes for a client of his that he, he was producing his show. And I said, yeah, it sounds like fun. And I can make some extra money on the side. That sounds like a cool deal. So I started doing that and that led to other types of freelance work. And then eventually I decided I wanted to pivot my total career to doing that kind of stuff. And I got involved in the ghostwriting world. And I knew that if I did that successfully, I could leave my teaching job and then do that as my full-time job. And then as I was doing that, I also was developing this daily the writer club and the podcast on the side, writing my own books. So I've always kind of had both tracks going, my own stuff as well as stuff for mm-hmm. clients. And I, I really enjoy the cross-pollination that
1: comes from that. Yeah, I love that. That's a lot of fun. Okay, so yeah, you kind of got into it and uh, started writing. I want to talk to you about um, ghostwriting a little bit because I, sure. I, I don't know if that applies to all of us, right? Maybe, so maybe right. I, I don't know if everybody would want to do that. But I'm really interested in how you think about the ethics of ghostwriting right you're writing the book how does that work for you how do do you think about that well the way that i
0: there's a lot of different ways to frame that so today's we're recording this on valentine's day right so i guarantee you that almost every person listening is using a ghostwriter today and what i mean by that is if you bought a hallmark card or you know a card from somewhere and you gave a greeting card or a valentine's day card to somebody You just bought the services of a ghostwriter because somebody else wrote that card. You gave it to your wife or husband or whatever, that special someone, and you essentially paid somebody else to write content that expressed emotions or desire that you have. So all of us have used ghostwriters. We just don't think of it in terms of of ghostwriting. Mm. And when you ghostwrite books or articles or other kinds of things for people, it's really the exact same thing. It's just expanded and it's more detailed. It's more expensive but it's really the exact same idea. People come to me whenever they have a book or other things that they want to create that are based around writing, and they don't have the time or the skill to do it. And if you're a business leader who's running a successful company or you're an entrepreneur, and you're not a natural writer, and you don't enjoy writing, really it's a bad use of your time to spend hundreds of hours trying to stress out over writing this book when it's not a skill that you have. You've got way more high value things to be doing. So that's where somebody like me comes in where I take your thoughts, your voice, your framework for whatever it is that you want to do the book about, and I capture your stories and ideas and i I'm basically just a mouthpiece that's that's all that it is hmm. you're you're just you're just a mouthpiece for the other person's ideas
1: yeah, yeah, I like that uh interesting I, I know I've heard some conversations about some people um and so then as a go- how's the mechanics of it work? you write the book, they give you content, they give you maybe. Have they give an outline or something how does that work and then um how and then you just go ahead and you, you get it all written or how does that and then you get paid is that how it works
0: so it depends on the client so my job as the ghostwriter is to adapt to however the client wants to work sometimes they come to me with with some ideas and i go off and i basically write the book and their name is on it um other times they're highly involved in the process we do a bunch of calls whether over the Zoom or phone or, or a mix of the two. And then I take that content and I rewrite it. I many times, all the time, I reorganize it. I slice and dice to create stories that flow, and then that present a good transformational narrative for the whole book. So a book is basically where the reader goes on a journey. My job as the writer is to figure out what's, what journey does that reader need to go on? And how do we do that in a way that's compelling, that's fun to read? that's, that's interesting. And how can we create a book that helps that person's business or whatever their, or their ministry or whatever it is. So my job as the ghostwriters to figure all that out, it's like a gigantic puzzle piece. Mm. You've got to figure out how all these things fit together. I personally love that process. I think it's really fun. Yeah. Um, Some people that would drive them nuts, but I'm just kind of wired to.
1: Well, which is the interesting thing, right? So what you're actually, but I think you're saying what I'm, what I'm hearing is that you are taking your expertise you're taking an expertise of figuring out how to make a framework make a make you know put words to, together uh and applying it to other people's ideas to help support their business which Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's kind of the same as being a podcast editor for instance, right? You you know.
0: Yeah. And by the way, I would I also want to throw this out there. A lot of times a common thing that I see with writers and even some ghost writers, to be honest with you, is that they feel like the value they're bringing to this process is the words. But honestly, the words like actually producing the words, that's like the fifth or sixth or seventh most valuable thing that I do in the process. The most valuable thing that I do is helping the client to identify what is the right book for them to mm. create. Because the worst mistake that I can make for somebody is writing the wrong book for them. We can write a great book, but if that book doesn't support your goals and your business and doesn't help advance what's important to you, now we've created something where you've got to invest all this time and resources and money into something that's taken you a whole different direction, which is a horrible mistake to make. So like you can hire writers really cheaply online, but it's really hard to hire somebody who can really tune into what your goals are and who can translate those things into a really compelling book. Like bridging yeah. that gap is, that's really where I feel like the greatest value of a ghostwriter is.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like you're almost a coach.
0: It, the, you know, ghostwriting is a combination of coach, writer, and therapist, sometimes not in that order.
1: <laughs> okay. That's interesting. All right. Well, so here's what I uh, want to know. Uh, how, what's, so what's the most common misconception that people have about writing?
0: Oh, by far, it's that I'm not a writer. I hear that all the mm. time. I'm not a writer. I'm not a writer. Um, I failed English class or I got bad grades in English or I'm just not gifted with that or things like that. The truth is that everybody writes. I mean, did you write an email today? Did you write a text? Did you write a report? Did you write a lesson? Did you write podcast show notes? If so, you're a writer, everybody's a writer. It's just a matter of, are you identifying yourself as a writer and are, are you embracing the fact that you already are a writer or? Are you waiting for somebody to come along and just magically like put their wand over you and go, okay, you're a writer now. And that never happens by the way. (laughs) It would be fun if it did
1: just once. I want to have
0: somebody come in with a magic wand and like do something like that. Right.
1: Yeah. So that, what you're addressing there is really, it's a mindset issue, right? You have to, you have to do that. So there's, there's a reason why I created uh, like for people who join the silver membership that we have. There's a video series in there called You Are a Podcaster. And the reason Same I call idea. it that is because it's I want, I want that in your head. I want you to think that you are a podcaster, even if you haven't started yet, You've, but you have something to say, mm-hmm. you have something that you want to share. You're a podcaster. You're a writer. Um, super, super powerful. And you got to get that in your head. You got to commit to it first. Um, okay. So let me ask you this question since we're on this there's probably a series of things that writers need to believe, you know, in order to, in order to write what, how, what are the ones that you think people should believe in order to write a book?
0: I mean, that is a great question. I would say one thing off the top of my head is that you need to believe that you're a writer because you already are a writer. You just, you just need to, you know, embrace the fact you need to admit what you already are you know, if that makes sense. So that's, that's like the thing. Number one, I think you also need to believe that you can figure all this stuff out. A lot of people in the world have written Mm. books. Some of them are good. Some are not so good, but (laughs) you, you can write a book. A book is just a, a process of a few really simple steps. I didn't say it was easier that you you can do it fast necessarily. I mean, you can do it fast, I guess, but, but it is figure outable. And it's really not that difficult if you have a, a system and a process in place to do it, which I do. And w- that's one of the things I help teach people. And I also think one one of the things that writers really need to believe is, or I would say that you need to maybe stop believing, is that you can do this by yourself. Because a, pr- a problem that I have had in my life and that I still struggle with, honestly, and that I see other writers struggling with is this idea that you, I don't need a community. I don't need other people. I can just sit and I can figure this out by myself. And there's, there's a reason why we get mm. paralyzed and we get stuck and in, in we're on this hamster wheel because we're not part of a group of people who are helping us improve. And if you're an analytical person, if you're kind of an introvert, it's hard for you to admit that you really do need other people. So I would say that's, that's one thing to maybe stop believing is that you're going to figure this out totally on your own because you probably won't.
1: Wow. Yes. I, okay. Uh, yeah. So you're tempting me to go on a little sermon rant here about uh, community, right? right? If we're Christians and we believe in the value of community already, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the advantage of the internet that we have that many people never had throughout history mm-hmm. is we can find our tribe. We can find our community of people. They may not be in the community around us where we are in our in our church, in our town, but they are available online. So you have a community of mm-hmm. writers that you're, that you're bringing together and serving. We do podcasters here, Christian podcasters, uh, but you do need a community. You need to have a community of somebody who's going to keep you accountable, give you the latest information, and support you however you need when things come up. So, uh, yep. boy, absolutely, you don't. Even Jesus don't, needed a community. I mean, right.
0: I mean, you think okay, if there was anybody in the history of the world who really probably could do it by himself, it would be Jesus, right? But even he had his own community.
1: Yes. Okay. All right, I'm not going to get too theological, but we get we can dive into the whole trinitarian (laughs) thing too. That's a whole that's different. That's another that's another theological uh, concept. Maybe we could bring to bear here. Anyway, yeah. um, Okay, I love that. I think that's really interesting. You had an interesting piece that I read on your on your blog recently too about competition, Mm -hmm. and you said your real competition, um, you know, is not maybe what you think. So why is it important to look back over kind of where you've come? and kind of explain to us what you meant by that
0: well the only measurement that I think you the primary measurement that we should have in our lives is who were we yesterday who were we last week or last month or last year or five or ten years ago whatever metric you want to put on it and that's important because when primarily you compare yourself to other people that's kind of a mirage that's you know a mirage if you go into a desert people see a mirage a mirage is when you think you see something that doesn't actually exist and we do that all the time, especially with social media or with other authors. In the author world, it's really easy to compare yourself to, well, this other person has more book sales or they have more books or they're getting more notoriety or they have more Amazon reviews or whatever metric you feel like is is important to you and your kind of self-esteem as a writer. Podcasts do the same thing as well. We look on Apple Podcasts mm-hmm. and we're like, well that guy has, or that guy or that girl, they have more ratings or reviews. So obviously they're better than me and I kind of suck as a podcaster because they have more than me or they got featured at podcast movement or whatever the thing is, you know? But the problem is that whenever you're comparing yourself to other people, it's a mirage because you're only seeing a tiny bit of who that person is and what their life or their business is really like. And how many times have you, you thought somebody was really successful and then, you learn something about them or they crash and burn and, and you discover, oh, th- that picture of, of complete success and happiness was a total mirage. And even if somebody yeah. is actually healthy and they're really doing well, you're, you're not seeing all the things that are part of the, the picture for them, but you're seeing the whole picture of yourself. And so we take our whole lives and we compare that to the sliver of success that we see with somebody else. And that's all that we typically see of them. And it's really, it's not a fair comparison. It's not accurate. It's not healthy. So look back who you were three months ago or a year ago. Are you better than you were then? Are you making good progress? Are you improving? That's the only metric I think that really matters.
1: Absolutely, uh, you know. I think I say this all the time: podcasting is more about personal growth than it is about spiritual growth, right? Or, or about, about audience growth. It is personal and it is spiritual. Um, so that is the big the reason to look back and see what you, where you have come. I can look back. You know, I started podcasting in 2016. I mean, that's seven years ago. That's hard to believe. On time, right? But, uh, but I've grown so much, and you know, just even making connections, like like connecting with you, never would have happened when I worked. I call, I affectionately call it bank jail. When I, so that's, uh, ne- but never would have happened if I had hadn't taken that um, step to just try something new. You know? Yeah. Um, okay. So one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about because. Uh, I think we had this conversation and I was like, that's something our our podcasters want to know about. Mm-hmm. So there's this interesting thing that happens, which is you get it, say you start with a pod. Some people start with writing, some people start with a podcast, some people start with speaking, but all those things mm-hmm. inevitably and eventually end up together, right? As part mm-hmm. of a, as part of a, they're all different facets of a, we can call it a personal brand totally. um, or or a ministry, whatever you want to wanna to call it. So you um mentioned that you were kind of wish more people understood how easy it was to actually take your audio content, turn it into a book. So tell us about that. Like what's, how can we do that? And um, like, what's the kind of maybe process that you would walk somebody through?
0: Well, there's different levels of repurposing content between, I'm going to say not just a book, but also anything written, you know, blog posts or articles, social media, books, courses, those kinds of things versus podcasts, which obviously is audio. And there's, again, there's different levels of doing this. So one very simple way is you can take your audio and just run it through something like Descript. Descript is is an app. It does a whole bunch of really cool things. I only use Descript for creating, excuse me, for creating transcripts out of audio content. I primarily use it for when I do client calls, ghostwriting client calls. I run that through the Descript app, and that spits out a transcript that is actually pretty accurate. I mean, I have to do a lot of editing to it, but it's it's pretty accurate, surprisingly so. So that's one kind of level one for repurposing stuff is you can run your audio through transcription apps, and then you can get a, a written version of that, which then you have to clean up and figure out how to repurpose that for blog post or articles or social media or books or or whatever and all of those requires or emails all of those require something a little bit different you can't just wholesale dump content from one place into another place because they're they're different slightly different formats <clears throat> um, now another kind of i would say a higher level way of doing it is if you want to reuse your podcast audio into a book form is that you would actually outline your book first so figure out what your book is going to be and then you can use that material on your podcast whether through interviews or solo episodes or conversations or whatever your format is for your podcast so basically you figure out what is your book going to be then take that book content use that on your podcast some way and flesh it out and then take the transcripts of your episodes or your show notes or whatever you wanna use from that, and then use that as your actual book content. And that works really, really well. That's actually what I do on my show a lot of times is I figure out what am I going to be writing about and what do I wanna use in a book project? And then I will do that as a podcast, a series of podcast episodes. And then I will take that material and then reuse it in the book. And the reason why I like doing that is because when you have a regular podcast, it forces you to create the content. If I outline a book, that outline can sit there for years and I, there's nothing forcing me to do anything with it. But if you have a podcast where listeners are expecting you to show up and create something, you kind of have to do it, whether you feel like it or not. And I love doing a daily show because it forces me to create in little small chunks on a daily I mean, I don't do it every day, but I, I release it every day and that has been immensely valuable to me because to be honest with you, Eric, 90, 95% of the time I don't feel like doing my podcast. I do it because it's a schedule because I'm committed to showing up to doing it. I'm never really in the mood to hassle with it, but when I get into it, then I'm really feeling it. So having that expectation there and knowing that people are listening to it, they're downloading it, they're sending me emails or making comments on social media about it. That is really powerful, which I think is one of the values of being a podcaster is that you get immediate feedback on your content because you can look in your downloads and you can immediately see which episodes are tracking with people. I mean, there's no, you don't have to guess, you know, immediately, which I think is, yeah. is really, really fun.
1: Right. Cause you see the downloads. Yeah. Yep. I think that's, um, super interesting. It, what fascinates me, I honestly, I kind of forget this sometimes is that, uh, it used to be that a book had to be all brand new content, right? Like, and now a lot of times, as I understand, somebody correct me if you're watching and you think this is wrong, but, uh, Publishers want to know that the that somebody resonates with the content already, right? They mm-hmm. want to know that you you've tested it and that it's totally somebody's going to want to buy it. So, in addition to having a platform and already having an audience built in, and email list, and and social followings, and all yeah. that, but but that is a thing that they're looking for. So, um, it, it's not as frowned upon as it was kind of maybe ten years ago uh, to yeah. turn the blog into a book. That kind of became a a, a thing.
0: Yeah. And I would say now publishers won't like this, but I would say your, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the default um, direction for people doing books should be self publishing. The default should Mm -hmm. not be trying to find an agent and pitch traditional publishers. I've done hybrid. I've done traditional, you know, the book that I did with Elvis's brother, the faith of Elvis, that was through Harper Collins, Thomas Nelson, a subsidiary of Harper Collins, which was great. Um and I've done I've done self-publishing. I love self-publishing. I think it's great.
1: Cuz well, you okay. have full no
0: control over it.
1: You right. So that that yeah, I was going to ask about that cuz you, mm-hmm. you can't just say that. Now you got to tell us why. So what so what uh what uh so you have control uh so is that helpful like if you you know obviously you get you know a larger share of whatever whatever you're mm-hmm. selling it for but uh what kind of things can you control that you otherwise can't?
0: Well, the first thing is you have rights to your intellectual property. So if you go through a publisher, typically, now I'm not I'm not going to say always <clears throat> because it depends on the publisher, but almost always the publisher wants the actual rights to that material. So you don't control it. I've talked to numerous authors who were frustrated because they wanted to create ancillary products from their books like workbooks or guides or journals or whatever, but their publisher said no. And that's, that's not cool. In my opinion, like if, if it's yeah. your book, you should be able to do what you want with it. But if you go through a publisher, you've kind of given up those rights. So there's that aspect to it. A traditional publisher is also going to take a lot longer of a time to publish it. So you're going to wait a long time. You're gonna have to get an agent. You're going to have to prove to them that, that you have at least 50,000 followers combined through social email list, et cetera, et cetera. So there's mm-hmm. like a whole range of things that go into that. Now, if you already have a big audience, or you're a celebrity or something traditional publishing could really work to your advantage, but for most people, I think self publishing should be the default mm.
1: that's sort of like podcasting right like i would I would tell and almost anybody to go ahead and uh start a, start your podcast before you know trying to do a radio show I mean I guess you could do a radio show if you get the chance right but yeah uh, I would absolutely uh suggest to somebody that you start with a podcast, get used to it, right? Get Get used to sitting in front of a mic and uh, talking and asking questions and, and doing all that. Okay. So yeah. what, what are some other practices or maybe the most important practices for podcasters who want to use their work? So let's take, let's take an example. Let's say somebody uh, started their show two, three, four years ago and, mm-hmm. they, and they've started and they decided, I think there's something else here and they'd like to turn into a different medium. What should they do?
0: Well, I think the first thing is figuring out what ultimately are you trying to build? You know, and podcasting is great, but, you know, a lot of people, I think when they get into podcasting, they get two or three years down the road and they're like, well, I'm not making any money at this, blah, blah, blah. Not that money is always the main thing, but it is a thing. You know, money is (laughs) nice. We're (laughs) we're required to have money to live and operate.
1: It helps pay the bills. Um,
0: But a lot of people don't think of a podcast as a business. They think of it as, well, I'm just doing this thing. So money should magically show up but you really have to think about what are you trying to ultimately build with this? And, you know, a book might not be the next thing that you should do. Maybe a course is the next thing you should do. Maybe uh, growing your podcast downloads and getting some podcast sponsors is the next thing you should focus on or growing your email list. So I'm not necessarily saying that a book should always be the very next thing that you do. But that being said, there are, there's a lot of value to having a book out there. And so if you are intent on doing a book, I would say one thing is don't do a super huge book. Do a short book. It's about 30,000 words, about 120 pages in the print version or so. Don't do this big massive book where you're trying to pour all of the depth of your knowledge into it. It's 300 pages. Nobody wants to read that. Unless it's like a Stephen King book or unless it's Prince Harry's book. You know, People don't typically want to read super long books. They want something short and punchy that solves a specific problem. So figure out what the number one problem of your listeners is, then write a book that helps them solve that problem, but make it short and punchy. Don't do a really long book.
1: So here's the thing. If you did your podcast, right. And you knew who you were serving, right. Mm -hmm. And you knew what their problems were, or maybe over the course of your two, three, four years, however long you've been podcasting, you hear from your audience and you learn what their Mm -hmm. problems are. You can do this. Right. You can figure this out. You can, you can figure out what they, what they need. Uh, if you have a Mm -hmm. message, you can, you can, you can write a book. Okay. So how would you structure it? What's, what's usually the best way to structure, uh, a a book to make it easier to write.
0: So my default way to structure a nonfiction book is generally, I'm saying generally, there's a lot of exceptions to this, but in general, something that's around 30,000 words or so I would divide it into twelve to fifteen shortish chapters. So each chapter is going to be maybe two thousand words long, maybe twenty five hundred, something like that. Divide those chapters into three to four main sections in the book, and make sure those each make sure each of those chapters are addressing a specific aspect of of a problem. They're taking the reader on a transformational journey. So the readers, so the chapters need to be in a logical, rational order that's going to take the reader on a journey. When you structure a book like that, you're going to have these 12 to 15 chapters that are very readable. You start with a story. You, you define what the problem is. You, you have maybe five to seven subsections within each chapter. You end with some key takeaways or action steps or something like that. Then, then you do all the chapters that way. And that's a very repeatable, simple, doable process that anybody can do. I think that's a great default structure for a nonfiction book. People can write those quickly. They can read them quickly. You can do a whole series of books like that. And let's say if you wanted to write the book as you go along, um, you know, outline the book and then do those sessions on your podcast. Just whether you're doing interviews or solo episodes, work through that content on your podcast. That way you're getting audience feedback and you're creating the raw content at the same time. And that's that's how you can create a first draft of the book. That's how I would approach it.
1: Yeah. Wow. Right. And that's a, that's a very key word too. first draft, right? So I know, know that you're going to have draft. to, yeah, you're going to have to edit it and, and go through all that. And there's probably people you can hire to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure as well. Totally. Got to, you don't, know, do you edit or do you,
0: I don't do line editing or copy editing. I do develop editing, which is basically it's either helping to structure and plan the book from the get go. Or sometimes like just a few days ago, somebody came to me with a book they have already written but it needs a little bit of restructuring and needs some things here and there, but it's actually a really solid draft. That's developmental editing too. Then that goes on to just what's called line editing or and copy editing is more granular than that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's where you get down into
0: the grammar and the style and that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah. Which is valuable. That's important. Mm-hmm, you should totally. pay for that. I love it. Okay. So Ken, this is the kind of things that you're teaching your authors and your mm-hmm. membership, I, I believe. So, uh, I love that. Where can people find it and where can they learn more if they are, have been inspired to like, Oh, actually maybe I do have something here with my podcast. I'd like to figure out how to do this. They can connect mm-hmm. with
0: you. They can go to dailywriterclub.com. That is my, the website for my, my membership group. You can check that out and I've got a free 14 day trial. Um, also, if anybody wants to just check it out, just email me at Kent, at dailywriterlife.com. And I'll just send you a link to pop in for a week or two just to check it out. You yeah. can kind of see what it's all about.
1: Excellent. Love that. Appreciate it. Uh, Kent, thanks for being here again, friends. That is dailywriterlife.com. You can connect with Kent. Uh, we have show notes and everything will be available at ChristianPodcastersAssociation.com as well. So you can find that link in case you missed it. All right, friends. Uh, Kent, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. Uh, My pleasure. Friends, I want to let you know if you uh, have not yet looked at uh, some of the stuff that we're doing in Christian Podcaster Association, we got memberships, we got uh, all kinds of other things that can help you. Some of it's free, some of it's low cost, uh, some of it uh, is a little higher depending on what you're looking for, but i uh, would love for you to check that out at ChristianPodcasterAssociation.com. Thanks, Kent. Have a good one. Okay. Thanks so much.